Good morning, church. Um, we start a little late today, but luckily that just gives more time for the food to warm up. One side. Should be more familiar with this one. When I survey the
I shared this last Sunday night. Of course, it was pretty much a different, much smaller group here. So I want to share it again today. Um, you know, a lot of times we look over various scripture and thoughts as we prepare our minds for the Lord's Supper. But I find this one actually kind of a little on the unique side, at least it was for me when I kind of realized what was going on and what was being said. John in Revelation, he's, his eyes are open to the heavenly realm and he sees God on the throne and the, the four living creatures that surround it and the 24 elders that seem to surround that, that whole group. And uh, as it continues in chapter 5, we're still in that vision that John has. He's still seeing those things. And God's on the throne. He's got this, this book. And, and the strong angel kind of basically says, you know, who's worthy to open this book? And as John's viewing this scene, he starts crying because no one's worthy. No one comes forward. Well, one of the elders comes up to John and says, stop crying because the Lion of Judah is here. And he's worthy. And incidentally, in Revelation, that's the only time, as I remember, that Jesus is referred to as the lion. From the rest of the time forward, he's now referred to as the lamb. It's lamb power that saves us, that overcomes Satan, which kind of sends to, to seem on the gracious side of him. But in recognizing the lamb, as he sees the lamb up there close to the throne, uh, he comes up and takes the book. And then the 24 angel, the 24 elders, which are angelic beings, I believe, and the four living creatures, again, angelic beings, they praise Jesus in song. And listen to what they say in the song. It says, and they sang a, a new song saying, worthy art thou to take the book and to break its seals. For thou was slain, and did purchase for God with thy blood men from every tribe, and tongue, and people, and nation. That includes us, folks. And thou hast made them to be a kingdom, and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. Just focusing in on the just Jesus, the lamb that was slain, and he purchased us. As Paul refers to it, he uses the word redeemed us. We're not our own. We're God's. We're Jesus's. And he did for that for us, that we can now be part of God's kingdom. And in these angels, they see that. It's, wow, is the lamb worthy? And I hope this morning, as you take of this Lord's Supper, that you will really key on, Jesus, wow, is he worthy? And he deserves our praise for what he did. So join me in prayer um, for the bread. Our Heavenly Father, we're just thankful for thy word. We're thankful that what you give us. We're thankful for this memorial supper. We're thankful for the Jesus that he was willing to go bodily to that cross for us and be a sacrifice in our stead. And Lord, we are thankful for that. And we know what he did is he's worthy to be praised and to be worshiped. And Lord, we're thankful that, that you desire a relationship with us and would send thy son to do what he did. Send Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This which represents Jesus' blood is what allows that relationship to exist. How that we were purchased, how God instituted us now is holy. And he wants us to stay holy, obviously, and Jesus' blood accomplishes that as well. So please continue to join me in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we're thankful that Jesus was willing to, to shed his life-giving force to give us spiritual life to allow us to have a relationship with you. Uh, we're just so thankful that, that he was willing to do that. It gives us a little bit of an understanding of how sinful sin really is, that would require such a sacrifice. But more, Lord, we know we can have victory because of what you've done and how much you really, truly love us, that you would send Jesus to die and shed his blood in our stead. It's in his name we pray, amen.
Dear Lord, we thank you for our many gifts you are given to us in our lives. And may we give back a portion of those gifts to use for the upbuild of your kingdom. In Christ's name, amen. The steadfast Lord ever I'll be reading Revelation 21, 5. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. I'm a little late. Happy New Year. It's been a little while since I've been here. Good to see everyone this morning. We're going to do a uh, quick little sermon series, four sermons on New Year, New You. New Year, New Year. Anybody ever, New Year, New You. Anybody ever heard that? New Year, New You. You know, the reality is, the reality is, you're never sitting still. You're either moving backwards or you're moving forwards. Life is always going. So when you feel like you're sitting still, you're really not sitting still. You're either moving backwards or you're moving forwards. And you know, Scripture talks about this in multiple different ways. So I wanted to share this with you real quick. Isaiah 29, we know this. This is one of those moments where uh, God is called the potter and we are the clay. And Look what he says. He says, you turn things upside down. You turn things upside down. Shall the potter be regarded as the clay that the thing made should say of its maker, he did not make me, or the thing formed say to him who formed it, he has no understanding? You see, God is going to flip your world upside down every now and then. It's going to happen. I believe we're living in one of those times right now where we're all going through it at the same time. For most of my life, when people's world got flipped upside down, it was one at a time. It was something that was going on in their life, not my life. But right now, we're all going through something together, aren't we? The whole world is. And let me just tell you, it's starting to flip around. It's starting to get a little crazy. If you're really paying attention to the world and what's going on right now, there is unrest in lots of different countries. We just can't let that unrest come here. Because the body of Christ is unified. So let's not allow our opinions to treat each other different. Let's not allow whatever side we fall on for this issue or that issue to come between us. But let's concentrate on ourselves for a little bit. We've been talking a lot over the last couple years 
about the world and the history of the world and how things repeat and, and how we can look at stuff in the Old Testament and see kind of what's going on in our world today because the, remember I keep telling you guys, devil's playbook doesn't change, right? He still comes at us in the same ways, just with different techniques, right? New, new ways to come at you, but it's the same old thing over and over and over again. Then we have this scripture. You see, the reality is, God is making you into something that you're not. You. Every one of us. We're all becoming something that we're not. And by the time we get through the end of this uh, series, I think you're going to have to agree, if, even if you don't right now. Revelation 21.5 says, And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. All things includes you. I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. You can take it to the bank. God is taking you, and he's making you into something new. So normally when we get to a new year, we make our resolutions, right? Some of you probably have never made a resolution in your life. Some of you probably live by it. You write it down, you put it somewhere, you look at it every day for so long, and you try to put it in your brain. I'm going to be different. This is my resolution. We all handle that differently too. But this is that time of year. So, you know, I thought it was a good time to talk about self-evaluation. I thought it was a great time to talk about what we need to do, you know, when we take communion every Sunday, we focus on the fact that Jesus died for us, right? And that's true. That's what that is all about. It's all about the body of Christ. It's all about the blood, right? That saves us from our sin, right? It's all about those things. But it's also, it's also about self-evaluation. It's not just supposed to be looking back 2,000 years ago to Jesus Christ, but it's also supposed to be looking in. To present day. Where am I at? What am I doing? What separates me from God? What things do I still need to change to be more like God? What things are getting in my way of progress? That's something we should be doing every week. But I think self-evaluation has become a lost art for a lot of people. I don't think very many people sit in their room at night and pray to God and repent for all the things that they've done. I think they just accept the grace. They accept the love. They know that it's being washed away and they just keep moving on, moving on, moving on. Well, sometimes you got to stop and you got to evaluate. You really got to look in. See what's going on in your own life. Look, nobody except for the Lord himself knows you the way you do. Nobody. When you have those real moments inside yourself, in your heart, in your mind, nobody can talk to you the way you can talk to yourself. Because nobody knows your deepest, darkest thoughts except for you. Nobody knows those crazy moments that are out of character, that are going through your mind, that are affecting your heart, except for you. So, new year, new you. 2022, it's got a little ring to it. New year, new you. 2022, right? So the first thing I want to talk about is character. And I want to talk about this one because I think it's one of the hardest ones. Because the reality is, as much as we all want to think we have great character, no one's perfect. And even though we notice one thing and we, we get on top of one hill, there's a hundred more hills behind that hill. And it becomes a battle. Every day. To be a person of good character. To be a person of godly character. So that's why we put character under construction. Because the reality is this, and I, and I hope you see this by the end of this sermon today. We're all works under construction and we all will be, we all will be works under construction, not only till the day we die, but till the day we see Jesus face to face. We are going to be characters under construction. 
It's just the way it is. So, for example, I took a couple scriptures real quick at the beginning. And I just want you to, this, let, let's, let, let's let this be your checklist. Is this who you are? Not only is this who you are, but is this who you are all the time? Let this be your checklist. Show yourself in all respects, see, all the time. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. Are you a model of good works in all respects at all times? How about this? And in your teaching, show integrity and dignity and sound speech. So every time you open up your mouth, every time you decide you're going to share something with somebody, you're going to give somebody a little bit of knowledge, is it always in integrity? Is it always in dignity? Is it always in sound speech? I know for me, even as a speaker, this is one of the toughest call outs for me. When I'm trying to talk to my wife at home, it's not always the way it should be. Right? Sometimes even in meetings here at church, it's not always the way it should be. Sometimes in one-on-ones with some of you, it's not always the way it should be. I'm not perfect. I struggle just like you, just like the elders, just like every other person in this world, because we're all character under construction. That's what we are. We see what we want to be. But it's a never-ending job to continue to work on it. Right? Look, at the end of the day, it says this. If you are doing these things, they won't be able to condemn you. Your enemies won't even be able to condemn you. And then it says this. So that the opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Anybody in here got, can raise their hand and say that there is nobody, absolutely nobody on the face of this planet that can have anything evil to say about me? I'll put mine down just in case you thought I was raising my hand. See, this is the challenge of a man of character, of a woman of character in the Bible. This is the challenge. How impossible does it feel right now? Now, I understand, because I am turning 40 this year. Whew. I'm just, okay. I heard that. I just hope Mike didn't hear that one. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I have definitely learned this. The older you get, The easier it gets in certain things. Yeah, just relax. Listen, don't be heckling me all Sunday morning here, okay? I know you missed me. But in other things, it gets harder. And that's the reality of life. You see, when you're young... You have different struggles than when you're in the middle of your life. And when you're in the middle of life, you have different struggles than when you're in your older part of your life. And when you're in the older part of life, you have different struggles than you did when you're in your middle and your younger part of your life. That's the reality of life. It's very challenging. I'm not here to tell you that life is not challenging. What I am here to tell you is, is that you can do it. You can. You can conquer. In fact, you already have conquered. In fact, the scripture says you are more than conquerors, right? Through Christ Jesus our Lord. Why? Because he's already wiped out all the evil in your life, right? Everybody in here is perfect. We don't struggle at all. Well, of course not. That's not scripture. That's not what the Bible promised. The Bible's not full of, of stories of perfect people. Man, some of the people you read about, you're like, man, I'm, at least I never did that. Right? Some of the greatest leaders of Israel, at least I never did that. How about this one? Second Peter. You know, I love these scriptures. I love these scriptures because they bunch up so much at once, right? There's so much going on in this scripture, but... It also shows the impossible task of being a Christian. It shows the impossible task of being like 
Christ, right? For this very reason, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and your virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection, brotherly affection with love. Now let's just go back through that real quick and let's just say, how many of these have you mastered? How many of these would you say are on your greatest strengths list? Right? Faith? I hope we all have faith. But are we doing everything in our lives out of our faith? Does everything in our life breed from our faith? Is everything that we focus on, every way we talk, everything that we say, everything that we think, everything that we feel come from our faith? What about virtue? Is everything you're pursuing and chasing in life for virtuous reasons? What about knowledge? Do you use your knowledge in every single circumstance to always come up with the best outcome, the best decision for you in that moment? What about self-control? Man, probably one, of the, probably one of the hardest things on that list for me. What about self-control? Are you always in control? Are your emotions always handled? Do you never feel like you're out of control? If you can say yes to that, come talk to me after church, please. Give me some great advice. Right? What about steadfastness? Are you always persevering in trial? Are you always the rock in every situation? Are you never pulled left or right? And then you get to the one that... How do you even describe godliness? I mean, I can describe it in a real simple way to be like Christ, to be like God. That's godliness. Are you godly? Are you always godly? When people see you, do they see Jesus in every circumstance, in every situation, on every occasion? What about brotherly affection? You know, I like to say this is one of my strengths, but you know, I don't always have a perfect relationship with everybody. I think it's pretty obvious that I love you all. I think you all know that. But we're not all best friends. For if these qualities are yours, and here's the key, and are increasing they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the goal in life is to master these things. The goal in life is to become more and more like Christ, right? To become more and more faithful, right? To become more and more virtuous, to be, to, to be more and more knowledgeable, right? To be more and more in control of yourself. That's the goal, to increase in these things. Not... Not to be perfect. Not to be perfect. Listen, I'm going to burst your bubble. I'm going to burst somebody's bubble today. If your goal in life is to ever, if you honestly believe that one day you will achieve perfection in this life, you haven't read the Bible. You understand me? I'm going to show you some scriptures today. If you think that you're going to get to a point to where you've grown so amazingly spiritually, so amazingly in this world, that you can actually live a perfect life, even for a short, let's, let's put a number on it, for a month. You can dictate everything in a righteous way that comes into your mind. You can dictate everything in a righteous way that comes into your heart. You can handle every single temptation, every single trial, every single persecution with dignity and grace. If you think that that's going to happen for a month, even in your life, I don't, I don't see that in Scripture. The goal is not to become perfect. We can't be perfect. If we could be perfect, then Christ would have never had to die. 
The goal is to grow in these things every year, year after year. Keep going the right way, not taking time, spending too much time, wasting your time, going the wrong way. That's the goal. It's all about increasing, not perfecting, increasing. Look, 2 Corinthians 3. When one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed, right? Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Or we're all even heading to the same place in this life, right? I mean, in the next life, we all go to heaven, right? But are we all heading to the same place even in this life? Has he made us all to reach the same destination in this life? No, he hasn't. Look where it says, from one degree of glory to another. You're not even created to be the same as me. I'm not created to be the same as you. There's not a certain point that I have to get to. And anything under this, we all go to hell. Anything over this, we all go to heaven. That's not the point. Where that road is split is on Jesus Christ and the cross. You either love him and accept him and make him your Lord and Savior, or you don't. Right? So we're not even supposed to get to the same place. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And where does that come from? Where does that transformation come from? It comes from God. Therefore, 2 Corinthians 5, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. You know why? Do you know why we're a new creation? Let's go back to that verse we just were at because I got a little bit too far ahead of myself and I don't want to miss this point. What is the veil? In this scripture, he's talking about Moses going before the Lord and having to veil his face. And then he says, and now the Jews sitting here looking at Jesus, they're still wearing the same veil. What is that veil? It's how they think it's supposed to work out. It's their interpretation. It's what they were expecting that stopped them from seeing the Messiah. See, here's the truth. How much did you sin before you really even knew what sin was? How many choices did you, did you make that actually affected your character, affected who you are, affected how you thought about the world before you ever really had any kind of grasp on what the world really was? How many things did you do before you figured it out? A lot, right? A lot, right? A lot of it was based on influences of the world, not influences of your own heart and mind. A lot of it wasn't you got pushed in this direction because of something that was going on inside of you that you really thought had to be this way or that. A lot of it was just influence of the world. It's what you've seen around you from the day you were born. And you're just going through it. You're just doing what everybody else does. That's the veil. That's the veil we deal with today. That's the veil we have to fight against every single day in our life. Right? It's not Satan literally whispering in your ear, Matt, go be a bad person. Anybody ever have that experience? Come talk to me after class. Right? Come talk to me after church. That's not how it works. You deal with life. You deal with everything they've thrown at you. All the interpretations of everything that is uh, good or bad. And you make decisions based on what everybody else is telling you. What the world is feeding you. And when we come to Christ, we take that veil and we throw it away. And we start over. And we look at the world through a different lens all of a sudden. We think about the world in a different way all of a sudden. We feel about the world in a different way all of a sudden. That veil is gone. I don't have to think like everybody else anymore. That's where that freedom in Christ comes in. You're not in the, the prison of what everybody else thinks anymore. What's always been. How things always were. Everybody else's interpretation of how you think life should be. 
right? So here's the other reality. Now I want you to see this because I think Paul stressed this in this moment on purpose, right? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That's why we have to become a new creation because the, what we were born into was veiled. It was worldly. It was already corrupted before it even knew it was corrupted. Before it could really even grasp what corruption really was. Okay? The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come because he's making everything new. All of us are still day by day becoming new. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave, gave us the ministry of reconciliation. This is in Christ God that is, in Christ God, was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, not counting their sin. You see that? Not counting their sin. And entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. You see, this is what Christianity is all about. And this is the one thing, if you get nothing else today, please pay attention to this one moment. Everything. Every single day, every single moment in your life, God is reconciling you back to him. It doesn't matter what you're going through. God is reconciling you back to him. Right? When we become Christians and we start this walk in our lives, we are constantly reconciling ourselves, which means we've made mistakes, we repent, we get back on track. That's reconciliation. And you know what? We teach that to others. Why? Because that's the ministry of reconciliation. You see, Jesus died for your sin 2,000 years ago. He doesn't count your sin against you. He died for it. But the world is trying to pull you back. Satan just didn't stop that day and go, well, we lost. What else are we going to do till Jesus comes back? It's constantly trying to pull you away. It doesn't stop. It never stops. Which is why we have to constantly be reconciling ourselves back to God. Constantly be helping each other reconcile ourselves back to God. Look how many times he talks about reconciliation in this small little verse. He says, you've been reconciled. Now you're going to be part of the ministry of reconciliation, right? That's not a one-time thing. You see... We got in this debate a long time ago about baptism with everybody else in church that doesn't think baptism is part of the salvational track or however you want to describe that, right? And I think somewhere in there, we got so focused on baptism, we forgot that baptism is first step in many steps of reconciliation. We act like we repented one time in our life, way back when we were 13, 14, 15, for many of us, right? We repented that one time in our life, we cast off our sin, and we're doing the best we can. How many times have we revisit that moment? How many times do we come before the Lord and, and, and tear ourselves down again? And say, rebuild me, fix me, mold me, shape me? This is what it's all about. You're not perfect. You haven't arrived. You have something you can work on at all times. If we're being honest with ourselves. Galatians 2. But if in our endeavors to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners... Is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. You see, people will use this scripture to say that your sin, your sin is the problem. If you make your life about sin, of course it's the problem. That's no longer struggle. That's falling away. That's, that's going the other way. You understand what I'm saying? There's a difference between a person in church that's a struggling sinner and a person who does not accept Jesus Christ and makes their life about sin. 
That's a big difference. Okay? For if I rebuild what I tore down, see, he's already building on the foundation of Jesus Christ. I proved myself to be a transgressor. So if I tear down everything that I built on my foundation of Jesus Christ, then, then I'm in a different category. You see that? You see that? It's different to struggle and to tear down. Okay? For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And look what he says at the very end. Look what he says. Just so you don't get that top part twisted. Look what he says. I do not nullify the grace of God. I do not nullify the grace of God. Well, if my sin is so important that it's going to cause me to destroy everything that God did for me, why would he end with that? Why would he end with that? I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Don't lose the power of the cross. 1 John chapter 3, I'm almost done, I promise. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him, beloved, <coughs> because their faces are veiled. We are God's children now. And what we will be, what we will be, y'all see this? What we will be has not yet appeared. When will that appear? Someone asked, right? I heard you, Lex. When will that appear? Lex said. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. When does that happen? Does that happen in this life? Yes. In one moment. All at the same time. At the second coming of Christ. Why? Because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. You see, you can't become perfect because you've never even seen perfect. The best people in your life are not perfect. They might hide their blemishes better, but they're not perfect. So you can't attain something you've never physically seen in your life before. Why would you ever expect to be able to? Now look, I'm not trying to give you excuses to go out and be sinners and do whatever you want. But this is the reality of the gospel. This is the reality of who we are. We're strugglers who refuse to give up. We're people who make mistakes and refuse to allow those things to dictate who we will become. We're people who believe in Jesus to the point that we believe that even though we can't do it, he's going to do it for us. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, some of us are going through physical complications. That's what he's talking about right there. Some of us, we're, you know what else he's talking about? He's talking about our flesh. He's talking about the corruption that comes from this right here, from being finite, from knowing that one day we will die. You know, a lot of sin comes from that. A lot of sin comes from that idea that one day you're going to die, so you better get what you can while you can before that day comes. But we don't lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. You see, outside this shell, it's, gonna, it, it's not going to last forever, but what's going on inside what the Holy Spirit is doing to my inside, that is going to last forever. And God is working on that every single day. God is working on that every single day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. He says, whatever you're going through, no matter how big it feels, 
No matter how much you feel like you're being punished, no matter how big and heavy your trial is, no matter how hard the temptation is, no matter what kind of persecution you deal with in life, when you get to heaven, when you experience eternity for the very first time, in that first moment, it's going to be so amazing, you're not even going to question what it took to get there. That's what this scripture is saying. You're not even going to question what you went through in life. And I want you to think about this because some people have had a really rough history as Christianity went through the world. You think your plight is difficult now? Imagine being before the 400 AD. Imagine being a Christian in Rome before that time where you were worried if Nero was going to come pick you up and use you to light up his, his party at night. Or feed you to the lions for entertainment. He says, as we look not to the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. See, that veil is gone. See, everybody else, they're looking at this world and they're trying to figure it out based on what they see physically, the world that they live in now, and they're not thinking about the things unseen, the things that are eternal. And this is where I want to leave you today because this is the reality. Philippians 1, 6, and I am sure of this, and I am sure of this as well, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. You see, all we got to do is be honest with ourselves and keep praying to God and keep working towards, working towards getting better. Keep working towards increasing in our faith, increasing in our virtue, increasing in our knowledge and self-control and go through the list. All we got to do is keep working towards it. That's the goal of the Christian in this life. Keep working towards what the Bible teaches us. Keep working towards becoming what God calls us to be. And then the other side of that coin is trust God to do it. I can't do it on my own. But God will do it. The pursuit of godly character and Christ-like integrity is the long part of the road in the journey of life. Don't ever forget that. Don't ever forget that. I've already, in, in, in my short career in ministry, I've already watched a lot of good, strong Christian people walk away because they didn't master something they thought they had to master to get to heaven. So they gave in. It's the long, hard part of the road. We are all, all works under construction. The word of God is our blueprint and God is the project manager. Don't ever forget that. Don't ever forget that. The Bible is your blueprint. Okay? Anybody ever do construction? Anybody ever work in construction? Let me tell you a little secret about construction. It's nowhere near as perfect as it looks. Is it? It's nowhere near as perfect as it looks. Every single corner in your house is a wreck. You hear me? Every single one. You go and take something perfect and line it up with your corner, you'll find out how good your perfect house is. Okay? And not only that, any construction job you ever work on, guess what there is? There's change orders. There's things that were in the blueprint that actually got changed. You know why? Because, oh, it just didn't work out quite the way you thought it was going to. Things couldn't go where we thought they could. Before, when we drew it up, looked good. When we, done, when we go to put it into action, a little bit different. Right? There's always corrections. There's always mistakes. There's always things that have to be worked out. That's what being under construction is. And that's what you are. And why am I telling you this? Because I don't want you to be too hard on yourself. I'm being honest. I want you to be honest. I want you to repent. I want you to have those honest conversations with God. But I want you to get up and try hard the next day too. And not give up because you haven't reached this level of attainment that you, shot, you thought you should have reached a year or two or three ago. Trust the Lord. Trust the Lord that he's working it out, that he's getting you to work. He wants you to be for exactly what he created you to be and do. And pray about that. New year, new you, 2022. 
Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you had your sins washed away? Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Added to the body. Become the temple of God, literally housing the Holy Spirit, which is working on you every single day of your life. For those of us who have, I pray we keep working. I pray we keep a dedication to the Lord. But I also pray that we forgive ourselves when we fall short. And we know, even though we can't do it on our own, God is working it out for us. And because of that, we're all good enough. We're all good enough. If there's any need to respond to the invitation, please don't hesitate to come as together we stand and sing. this year, huh? I passed seven decades this year, so. He's a kid. He's just a kid. Uh, if you didn't get a bulletin, please pick one up. There's a lot of information in there. I'm going to touch on several things in there. Uh, Bill Owens, that's cousin of Chris Doris. He's in uh, hospital for aggressive leukemia. Um, Lynn Rust, I believe Lynn Rust is um, Pat Rust's sister's Pat Russ's brother's daughter-in-law. She passed away, so keep the Russ family in your, in your prayers. Uh, Nell White, that's Betty Larner's sister. She's suffering with uh, pneumonia and also AFib, so keep her in, she's hospitalized at the particular time. Tommy Massey uh, has the flu. A lot of people have the flu, but he has the flu, so he had a little bit of treatment. He's back home and is hopefully doing better. Karen Hasselbar, I think she had her knee replaced. She's in Rockledge Rehab. Rita Smith is being, having continuing problems with her, with her leg. Uh, the cast didn't work. She's got a brace now. Hopefully that'll work. Isaac White, uh, what to do about blockages in his leg, so keep uh, Isaac in your prayers. A um, couple folks that are suffering with some COVID is uh, Ray Woodruff is suffering with COVID. Uh, Karen Owens, friend of the Sands, he's also, she's also hospitalized with COVID. Uh, the rat family is suffering with something in the flu. We don't know what it is, but it's some sort of a virus thing, so keep them in your prayers. Uh, David Dubois, that's uh, Mike, Call Mike Wall's cousin, uh, is suffering with stage four esophageal cancer, so keep him in your prayer. They're going for a second opinion for surgery. Um, Scott Smith, Gail's nephew, um, has stage four colon cancer, and the cancer's on both ends of the colon. So. Uh, they're going for uh, to check on what can be done as far as surgery for that one there. Um, a note is we had a, we had tentatively scheduled on the 13th of January a, a senior outing and that's been canceled. And finally, the potluck fellowship is this morning. If you didn't bring something, fine. Uh, potluck is all about fellowship. It's not about the food. It's not about the decorations. It's not about the entertainment. It's about getting together. You just go straight down the hall, make a left, and you can, you can have some food and some great fellowship and share, share with each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, 
if you, if, you, if you want to, take a challenge. Sit with somebody you don't normally sit with. Get to know them a little bit better and a brother and a sister. Look forward to seeing you back there. Let's all stand and sing before we close in prayer. Sometimes our Thank you so much for the freedom and opportunity we've had to assemble here this morning to hear another lesson from your great word. We thank you for the message we just heard. We pray, Father, that you would help us all to try harder to be doers of your holy word and not just hearers only. We're mindful of those, Father, who are mentioned who are on the sick list, those who couldn't be with us, that you watch over them, heal them, bring them back to us soon. As we depart, Watch over us and keep us all safe till we can meet here again. And may the things we say and do bring honor and glory to your name. Christ, in your name we pray. Amen.